If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Healthcare for Humans, hosted by Dr. Sundar, expands our understanding of the history and culture of different communities and how to provide culturally responsive care. There's an episode you should check out where guest Dr. Duran details the systemic barriers faced by individuals with DACA status and highlights the importance of addressing these barriers. Check out Healthcare for Humans on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Tara Bradner, and this is Hopeful Hints, an infertility podcast where you will receive quick, hopeful hints to guide you through infertility. Here, you will find education, inspiration, and most importantly, find peace as you walk through this journey to fulfill your family vision. Hello, and welcome to Hopeful Hints. I'm your host, Tara Bradner, and I am beyond excited for today's guest, Allie Prado. I think you might know her. In fact, I'm pretty certain you'll know her from a couple different areas. Fertility Rally is one. You guys check out that group. Her and Blair are just an amazing duo and they have so much going for this community. In addition, you will find, and I want you to pause what you're doing, pause this episode, head over to Um, infertile AF podcast and check out hit subscribe you guys she has some amazing guests amazing stories on there so without further ado welcome Allie to hopeful hints hi Tara oh my god what an intro thank you (laughs) you're welcome podcasts are something I don't know about you but I have become like a binger and something I wish I would have had in the beginning of my journey. So that's why I'm so like, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are listening to other podcasts and yours is one that needs to be on the subscribe list. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. That's the whole reason I started my podcast was because, you know, I had a secondary infertility journey and when I was going through it, I was so, I felt so alone, so isolated, you know, this was seven, eight years ago now, but you know, so there weren't really that many podcasts. There certainly weren't a lot dealing with infertility there wasn't like the big Instagram community like there is now. Um, I just was fledgling. I mean, I was drowning and, you know, I talked to my friends and family about it, but I didn't have anybody that was going through what I was going through. And it was so, so emotionally and mentally hard. Absolutely. So she is the mom of two, as she said, she's battled secondary infertility before having her son via IVF in 2015. So Allie, tell us more about your journey before we dive into your hopeful hints. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I had my daughter who's now almost 12. Um, just not, you know, we got pregnant naturally. I was 34 at the time. So, you know, getting up there, but you know, I didn't know much about my fertility and I didn't really know basically anything about how my body worked, (laughs) you know, like so many of us, I was brought up, you know, my sex education was like, if you don't use protection, you're going to get pregnant. So use protection don't be a tramp, you know, like it was kind of this scared straight mentality that we learned in high school. I think my like phys ed teacher, you know, taught us this very short week. So I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about ovulation or cycles or fertility or eggs, you know, like I was so, so clueless until I, even after I had my daughter, because I had no idea that when I started to try to have our second kid, when I was around 38, 
um, which as everybody knows in this community is considered geriatric, Ugh, which hate up, that. Hate that term. <laughs> uh, but that's what, that's what it's called. So, you know, there's the, the scientific fact that after 35, your egg quality diminishes and starts to diminish and gets worse and worse every year. So, but I didn't know that. Did you know that? Like before you got into this whole thing? No, before, you know, what's funny that I'm going to ping off of with this as a medical provider, I I'm sitting here shaking my head. Yes. About your sex ed class. Cause mine was probably even worse than that. And as a medical provider, it is like a glimpse, a blink in like your education and training, but there is nothing in regards to like ovulation tracking. And so that's why I've even as a doctor, nurse practitioner went above and beyond. Yes, I have ASRM training, but I have Marquette family planning training just so I can help navigate couples through some of those signs of fertility that's beneficial, no matter, you know, what treatment you're going through, if you're taking a time out too, because we aren't even taught that for the most part, you know, in our medical training. Yeah. It's, it's very, um, it's sad. You know, I know some, a lot of people are talking about it and working to change it, yes. uh, which is great. And, you know, I think with resources, which sounds so silly, but even like TikTok now where there's a lot of doctors and nurses on there, that's where my daughter, you know, is learning a lot of her, not just about her health and all that, but just about everything. Like she literally told me the other day, she goes, mom, I learned more on TikTok this year than I did in school. Wow, you guys, yeah. teachers get on TikTok too then. Seriously, but thankfully they're learning more about, you know, their bodies and what's going on. And there's so many cool people out there who are doing things to help educate. So that's good. Yes, absolutely. I'll give you the, just the broad strokes of my journey because it, it's pretty long. But um, anyway, so we started to have, we started to try to have our second kid when I was about 38 um, and I got pregnant pretty easily. But I, you know, had an early loss and then I had three more. So I had four like back to back miscarriages. Um, and it was just devastating. You know, I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was getting pregnant, but I wasn't staying pregnant. And, you know, this was over the course of a couple of years. It wasn't like back to back to back, but in a short span of time. And I was just gutted. You know, I wanted another child more than anything in the world. I love being a mom. I had no idea that I would love being a mom so much. Um, you know, I wasn't somebody that grew up always like, I'm going to, you know, I assumed that I would have kids, but I wasn't like super maternal. Like I was not super into babies or anything, but I just, once I had my daughter, it just clicked. And I was like, wow, this is the best thing ever. So, you know, the thing with secondary infertility, which is interesting is that people sometimes give you like throw you shade like if you already have a kid and you're going through this and they put you in a different category and they're like well you've got secondary infertility it's not as bad you already have a kid and to that I say fuck that mm -hmm. I think it's hard no matter what you know we don't this isn't like the pain olympics we don't know we don't have to compare what we're going through always to what everybody else is and I think that if you're if you're going through this, no matter where you're at, if it's your third kid, your first kid, your fourth, fifth, second, you know, whatever, it's hard. And I think we need to support each other no matter what, you know, when we're going through this. So um, anyway, I did end up going to a reproductive endocrinologist after my fourth miscarriage and just, you know, met with this doctor and said, what's going on? And he was like, well, the good news is you're the perfect candidate for IVF because you have a very healthy egg reserve for your age, geriatric. <laughs> Thank you, compliment. I'm like, thanks, <laughs> back end a compliment? Yeah. Uh, 
he actually was like, you're like a rock star egg producer, but we need to find the quality eggs because what's happening with this recurrent pregnancy loss is that, you know, your body is actually doing the right thing, which is kind of hard to wrap your brain around. Right. Cause it's like, but it's not, it's not doing what I want it to, but he said, you're getting rid of these unhealthy pregnancies. These are not chromosomally, chromosomally normal babies. Um, so I was like, okay, learning so much. I mean, again, I didn't know anything about anything. Um, and so he said, you're the perfect candidate for IVF. Why don't we do it? We'll find these good eggs and you should be good to go. And, you know, it was, it was so hard to, first of all, get my husband on board with doing it because we had already been through so much and I had fallen into this depression and, you know, it's, it goes on and on. It's pretty complicated. We were having a lot of relationship issues. Um, he was an only child of two only children. So he didn't feel that same pang and that same need. And I just had this like guttural, like deep down, like I'm going to die if I don't try to have another kid, you know, I just wanted it so, so, so badly. And I couldn't ignore that. So he and I were really butting heads a lot about it. But after many, many tearful discussions, we finally came to a compromise that we would do one round of IVF. And if it didn't work, we were going to be happy as a family of three. Um, I also had gone to a lot of therapy to get me to that place. But, you know, so we did, we did the one round of IVF. Um, I ended up getting, I, I did get a lot of eggs. I think it was 29. I can never remember the specific numbers. And I feel like I always, it was 20 something. And my mom has called me before and was like, Allie, you got to get your story straight. You're like 26, 29, 27. I'm like, I don't remember. Anyway, it went down to 13 as the week went on. And then I ended up having five embryos that we sent for testing of the five embryos. Only one came back genetically normal. So we did a frozen transfer that next month and by the grace of universe, juju, God, whatever it worked. And I got pregnant and I had my son December, 2015. Um, it was honestly like the odds were so low that it was going to work. I'm, and now, like, now that I'm in this field more and talking to hundreds of people and all these women that are going through it and round after round of IVF, it is honestly a miracle that it worked. And then I had the one embryo and it was our one shot and it took, um, you know, it's, it's crazy. So it is absolutely amazing when you sit and think of when, it, when you sit back and think, wow, <laughs> like yeah, one I embryo, mean, one shot, got it. We were I, somewhat I, similar to with that. Yeah. It's wild. Right. And I still it like, is. I'm welling up right now talking about it. Cause it's still so emotional to me. I still can't believe that he's here. And I say that to him every single day. I look at my son and I say, I still can't believe you're here. Yes. And he's always like, he's getting to the point now he's old enough where he's like, okay, I'm here, mom. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so that's basically the story. Love it. So through all that, you have come out stronger and we are so thankful to have you here today to share your three hopeful hints. So hopeful hint number one. Yes. So the first one is find your people. Um, like I said, at the beginning, you know, I was so, I felt so lost. I felt so alone. I really didn't have anybody in the infertility community that I could connect to. Um, you know, that's the whole reason that I started my podcast two years ago. Um, that's the whole reason that Blair Nelson and I launched fertility rallies, which is a community of support because 
we wanted to bring together people who get it and who can like lift each other up and hold each other's hands as we go through this. You know, the whole thing, my whole MO now is like, nobody needs to go through this alone. It's such hell. And I feel my heart goes out to anybody going through this, no matter what their story is. There's so many different scenarios. There's so many different reasons people have to use ART or IVF. Um, and I just feel for anybody that has to do it. So, you know, I just wanted to, I felt like maybe it was like karma or something in the back of my head. Like I felt like since I had gotten lucky and I just wanted to pay it forward and like help the people who were coming behind me. So I would say to anybody listening now, you know, a couple of ways to find your people go on Instagram, search for specific hashtags of what you're going through. Um, you know, accounts will pop up. There's, as you know, Tara, there's thousands of accounts now. There is. And don't you find like most people are so willing to help each other out, you know, if you DM somebody or email somebody or whatever, they will get back to you and you can find your people that way. You know, there's also places like fertility rally or other support groups, you know, that, that you can join, you know, it's, it's gotta be the right one for you. They're all different. Um, but I just feel like it's so important to find the support system and don't be afraid to ask for help because everybody going through this knows that it's, it's not easy and people are out there willing to help you. So that's the first one. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And that was, I was like you, I was not talking about it. I was completely silent. Um, and looking back, it was such a lonely place that I just wish that upon nobody. And so you no hit the nail with hopeful hit number one. Yeah. Our fertility rally tagline is the worst club with the best members. Cause we're like, nobody wants to be in this fucking club, yes. but people in it are so great. And I've met some, honestly, my best friends and people that I will have in my life forever, because, you know, when you go through this, you have this instant bond with other people who are going through it. That was a perfect way to summarize that, that you will, and you may or may not ever meet them, but they will be some of the best friends you ever have. <laughs> the craziest thing, Tara, is Blair and I have never met in person. <laughs> and we formed a business together over a year ago. This um, is infertility. Like this is a pandemic. Perfect, yes. Perfect example of infertility, let alone throwing a pandemic in there. You right. can do all things either way. <laughs> but there was the funniest meme that somebody put up recently and it was like, um, infertility. It was like, I've never, or like, I know your deepest, darkest secrets, but I've never seen your legs. (laughs) (laughs) We need to resurrect that one. That should be out there all the time. That's so true. Yeah. Hopeful hit number two. Okay. So the second one is find a doctor and a clinic that makes you feel like you're a teammate, not just a number. So I was very, very lucky when I found my doctor, who's Dr. Joshua Klein, Um, He was at RMA in New York at the time, but now he started his own clinic called Extend Fertility, which is really great. Um, And he and I have kept in touch. Actually, he spoke at one of our Fertility Rally live events. He's done a lot of stuff with Fertility Rally, and we've just have become friends because he's such a great guy. He's not only brilliant, but he really made me feel like, all right, we're going to do this. Like he wanted it as much as I wanted it. You know, he always returned my emails. He always got back to me with what I thought were the stupid questions. But like, for example, one time when I was newly pregnant, so we had the transfer and was successful. I had to go to work. I had to interview somebody in LA and she took, it was for health magazine. So she wanted to go hiking. So we're hiking as I'm interviewing her and it was fucking so hot. 
and she wouldn't, it was this, I won't name who it was, but it was an actress and she's kind of not the greatest. Um, and she, so we're hiking and I was like, oh my God, I'm getting overheated. And I was started getting so nervous. Cause I was like, oh my God, if I lose this baby, you know, your head just starts to spiral. And I was like, can we stop for a second? And she was like, no, let's keep going. And I was like, oh my God. So anyway, we finished the interview. We finished the hike. I get down to my car and I just started sobbing. And I was like, if I fucked this up, I would be so devastated. So I called Dr. Klein and left him a message. And he called me right back like five minutes later and was like, I'm not nearly as worried as you are. I get it that you're worried, but you're going to be fine. Drink some water, have, you know, take a rest. It's going to be okay. And just the fact that he called me and said that was so important to me. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to find a doctor in a clinic that take the time, but they are out there. And I would say, if you're dealing with someone right now, that's not returning your calls or emails or not giving you information or making you wait hours and hours to get answers to things, maybe look around, maybe, you know, it's, it's okay to advocate for yourself. You're paying these people, you know, this is your life. This, the stakes are so high. You need to get the treatment that you deserve. So you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I feel so bad. I don't want to get a second opinion or go to another doctor. And to that, I say, screw that. Like you don't owe them anything. If they're not making you feel like more than a number or statistic, look around and maybe move on. I am such a big advocate for this too, because I did a second opinion and switched clinics for multiple reasons. But the thing to remember, like you said, they are, they are a medical provider. They are that. They are not your your best friend. You're not going to have to see them at a family reunion. You don't owe them anything. Mm-hmm. They may be nice. And they understand this happens <laughs> all the time in the medical field, not just in reproductive health care. All the time, people get second opinions, see a different provider, that kind of thing. So know it's normal and it's okay. And you don't have to explain yourself to them. And you might end up staying with them. It's simply going and seeking that second opinion, checking out a new clinic or two or three or four. But especially when this is cash pay for most of you guys, you know, this, you don't, there's a lot on the line for you. And it is vital to have your questions answered and to feel like you are in good hands. So so much yes to this to this. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people too like fertility rally members or just friends who are like my doctor gave me her cell phone number and told me to text her anytime stuff like that. So like those people are out there, you know, and yes. if yours isn't doing stuff like that, then maybe maybe it's time to look around or change. That's huge, 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 huge. And this leads nicely into number 3. So hopefully yeah. number 3. So the third one is don't be afraid to pivot if things don't go as planned. And this, you know, can go in so many different directions, but you know, the main thing is like, I think one thing that's just so hard about infertility or going through this at all is that your plans, so much of it is out of your control. You know, you've got a plan, you've got an image in your head of how things are supposed to be happening and how you want your life to play out. And it doesn't go that way when you're faced with infertility you know, treatments are delayed, transfers don't work, embryos don't thaw, you know, there's so many roadblocks and there's so many points where it can become disappointing. And there's so much heartache and so much devastation, you know, when things aren't working out. And um, I think it's just important to like give ourselves grace and to remember that 
you know, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to pivot and decide you don't want to go down this road anymore. You know, that's one thing I think people don't talk about a lot. There's a lot of like, don't give up, don't give up. If you want to be a mom, it will happen. And, you know, nothing against being positive and cheering each other on, but I feel like that term, like giving up is a little bit of like, I don't know. I feel like it needs to be a different term because I don't want people to, who end up childless, not by choice or decide to stop pursuing treatment. I don't want them to ever feel like they gave up. Like that's, you know what I mean? It's got a kind of a negative connotation. So instead of that, I think it's like, if you want to stop, then stop, you know, instead of like, don't give up, it's going to happen. Cause some people don't have the money to keep pursuing it. Some people don't have the mental capacity and rightly so to keep doing this. You know, some people just get so exhausted and, and decide that, you know, they're going to be child childless, or they're just going to have the one or whatever kids they already have and stop pursuing treatment. And I just want to put this out there that that's okay. You know, I think we need to be a little bit more empathetic to each other and understand that if people decide to pivot, then we have to support them. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure, I think sometimes to, stop pursuing treatment or stop, you know, whatever road you're going down. And somebody on my show the other day, and she was saying that she, she had a disease, a genetic disease that she ended up doing IVF because she didn't want to pass the disease on to her future children. She did have one child before she did IVF. So she had a child naturally. And then she said, you know, we just decided my husband and I looked at each other and we were like, why don't we just focus on what we have And she goes, you know, there's only so much heartache a girl can take. And I was like, oh, I got the chills when she said that. So I was like, it's so true. Sometimes you just, it's like, is it worth it? Do I even want this anymore? What am I doing? You know? Yep. It's pressure, no pressure. It's okay to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, like there's nothing wrong with trying and, you know, keeping going until you want to stop. I think everybody should do like you do you boo. You do like, and we all just need to support each other's choices. If you want to keep going for years and years and years, or if you need to pivot and step away, nobody, but you can decide that that's yeah. end of that. Like only you and your yeah. partner can decide that and have that as an answer. Nobody else, no resource, no doctor, no, nothing can tell you that. Exactly. Well, Allie, thank you so much. Where can we find you? Tell us more. Everything will be linked in today's show notes. Okay. Awesome. So if anybody wants to check out the podcast, it's called infertile AF and it's on all the podcast platforms. If anybody wants to share their story, you can go on Instagram. I'm at infertile AF stories. You can DM me. I have a bit of a backlog right now and probably won't record for a couple more months, but that doesn't mean I'm not lining things up for the fall and beyond. So people can reach out to me or if they just need to chat or, you know, my DMS are open. And then for fertility rally, we have a website, so you don't have to be a member to enjoy some of the stuff on the website. We've got tons of content, tons of like downloadables, like questions you should ask at your first appointment or, you know, resources, things like that. So it's fertilityrally.com and we are on Instagram at fertility rally. If you do want to become a member, we open up the membership the first week of every month and we've got tons of support groups. We do not only infertility, but now we're doing pregnancy and motherhood after infertility groups and events, because that's a big contingent of our membership now have actually become pregnant or had babies, but they want to continue getting support. 
So we're doing a lot more support in that realm. And we have, you know, over 300 members worldwide, and we're always looking to grow the family. And it's really just become, like I said, the place that I wish I had when I was going through it. It's everybody like truly loves each other and supports each other. And people have become friends outside of the group. You know, it's just become what we were hoping it would and more. So check us out there too. And if you have any questions about any of it, I'm always available. Just reach out to me. Absolutely. You guys check it out. You won't be sorry. Thank you so much again for joining us, Allie. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to talk to you and it's so good to see your face. Thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Healthcare for Humans, hosted by Dr. Sundar, expands our understanding of the history and culture of different communities and how to provide culturally responsive care. There's an episode you should check out where guest Dr. Duran details the systemic barriers faced by individuals with DACA status and highlights the importance of addressing these barriers. Check out Healthcare for Humans on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.